Do you want to experience powerful, effective prayers? Find out how with today's Bold Steps message from Mark Job. When you pray, there's power. Why? Because you're walking with a clean heart before the Lord. You're confessing things. You're praying for things. You're dealing with things. You're being honest before God. There's power that comes when people are walking right before God. Listen, I have a lot of people pray for me, and some people's prayers accomplish a lot, and some people's prayers, not every prayer is created equal. Welcome to Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, President of Moody Bible Institute and Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Well, we've recently been going through a study in the book of James called Faith That Works, discovering some powerful and practical steps we can all take to start living out our faith in a way that really makes a difference. One of the cornerstones of an effective faith is, of course, effective prayer. But how does effective prayer really work? Well, in today's message titled Powerful Prayer, we're uncovering the answers. So now let's join our Bible teacher, Mark Job, for today's lesson. Let me tell you that there is a confessional wherever you go if you believe in what Scripture says. Because when you are on the orange line going downtown and you are hanging on, there is a confession booth right on the orange line. You say, Lord, forgive me because I really messed up with my wife this morning and I was angry and irritated. Please, I confess it. I know it's wrong. I repent of it. And you have just been to the confessional on the orange line. The Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. In other words, it is not me. You say, well, pastor, I'm waiting to confess my sins to you. I don't really want to hear your sins. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that we have direct access to God through his son, Jesus Christ, and it is him who forgives us. We confess our sins to one another. Who is one another? The person beside you. Look at the person beside you and say, you are one another. You know what it says? Confess your sins to people around you. If you're a sister, confess it to a sister. If your brother, confess it to a brother. Confess it to someone that's around you. Why? So that you can be forgiven? No, so that you can be healed. Some of us have been forgiven, but we haven't been healed. Because you've confessed it to God and you've received the forgiveness of God but you still walk around with the woundedness in your spirit and you're not healed in your heart. Maybe you had an abortion 15 years ago and you've cried out to God and said, God, forgive me. I took the life that was inside of me. I was, it was a bad time in my life. I, I, just, I made bad choices and I feel guilty about it every time that birthday comes around. Forgive me, God, but you say, I've asked God to forgive me, but how come I still don't feel whole? Maybe because you've asked God to forgive you, and he has if you've confessed it and repented, but you're not healed from it, because maybe the next step is you need to talk to a couple sisters that can pray over you and pray you through the healing process so that not only are you forgiven, but you're healed. And can I say another word about this? I know I'm getting off tangent a little bit, but come on, I, I, feel, like, I feel like I got some stuff inside of me that I need to let go because some of you, some of you... Some of you have gotten off target in this. Can I say another thing to those of you? If you go to a confessional booth and you are told to do penance, to absolve you of your sin, pray 
five Our Fathers and three Hail Marys, and you think that praying those prayers as a penance will absolve you from your sin, then what you have just done, you have just spit in the face of Jesus and spit on the cross of Jesus because the moment that you think you can pay for your sin, then you become a huge debtor to pay the entire debt and you cannot pay that debt. The Bible says it's by grace that we're saved through faith and that's not of our own. Jesus Christ paid the debt in full. It's like you taking on the multi-trillion dollar debt of America, paying a quarter a week to try to pay it off. You'll never pay it off. You cannot pay off the debt for your sin. So if you try to do penance, oh, pastor, I'm in a passion week. I'm going to whip myself on the back to try to pay for my sin. You know what? There was someone that was whipped on the back already for you, and he was holy and pure, and he's paid the price. You can never pay the price. Your penance cannot pay it. Stop throwing chump change at God to pay for a debt that you can never pay. Say, Lord, I receive your forgiveness in full, completely. I can never pay it. That's why you need a Savior. I feel like I got that out of my system. I feel a little bit better about that. I feel a little bit better about that already. Already. Listen, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but I'm just simply saying... What will damn you, and I can use that word in a biblical concept without it being a cuss word, what will damn you to an eternity without God is you refusing to accept the full price that Jesus has paid. And the moment you try to pay for it with good works or penance or something that you have done, you become a debtor and, and you are responsible to pay your, for your entire debt and you cannot pay for it. That's why I acknowledge that I am a sinner that's saved by the grace of Jesus. And no matter what I do to try to pay for it, I can never pay for it. It is a gift of forgiveness given to me that I receive full. That's why I want to praise and worship. That's why I want to be at the worship. That's why I want to raise my hands, bow my knee, humble myself before God because my debt has been paid in full. And so he says, confess your sins one to another. And by the way, can I also say this? Confession is not the same as admitting. Confession means that I agree with God about what he says about my sin. Admitting means I acknowledge I did it. You eat the cookie out of the cookie jar. And your wife says, now who did that? I did, so what? You've admitted that you did it. That doesn't mean that you've confessed that you did it. You see, confession means that I agree with God. I say, God, I agree with you about how bad my sin is and how grievous my sin is to you and what I need to do about it. The first part about agreeing with God is you need to call your sin what God calls your sin. Some of us admit that we made a mistake, but we don't want to call it what God calls it. Yeah, you know what? I just made a mistake in my marriage and kind of blew it. But, you know, she wasn't really meeting my needs. And, you know, we all have our issues. We're all human. And I made a mistake. No, don't call it a mistake. Call it adultery. Amen. 
A mistake is when I trip over something unwillingly. Adultery is when you pursue a married woman willingly. Call it what God calls it. Stop calling it a mistake. Stop calling it an issue. Oh, you know, just I, I went and I just had some fun this weekend. I'm sorry, God. No, no, no. Stop saying you had fun. Call it fornication. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I'd call it that. Well, if you're single having sex with another single person, it's called fornication. Call it what it is. Don't call it a little fun. Don't call it a trice. Don't call it overnight. Don't call it... Netflix and chill. Don't, don't, don't. You know, you can call it what you want to call it, but how about calling it what God calls it? Because ultimately, confession means calling your sin the same thing God calls your sin. I got drunk and, you know, it's just, I really need to overcome this disease. Hold on. The Bible forbids drunkenness. You can call it a disease, but it's a choice. If you do it enough times, it feels like a disease that you have no control over. But like everything else, you need to repent and leave it behind. You see, confession, many of us don't repent because we don't call our sin what God calls it. And it says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Some of us haven't, aren't changing or not healed because we're not calling our sin what God calls it. We're not anting up to it. We're not recognizing it. We're calling it our personality. We're calling it a trait. We're calling it that we're victims of other people's manipulation, that your job made you blow off the handle, that your wife irritates you, that you hit her because she drove you to it and and it's her fault no 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 call it what it is you're out of control with your anger call it what it is i need to repent call it what it is it's selfishness it's sin it's egotism call it what god calls it because when you confess your sins and then pray one for another so that you will experience the healing that needs to happen to bring about transformation to your life and when you do so, listen to what it says. Then it says, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. A more literal translation of it is the fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. When you confess your sins, when you pray for each other, when your heart is clean, when you're walking right before God, then watch out because now we have a prayer warrior that when you pray, there's power in your prayer. We're going to pause this message. You're listening to Bold Steps in the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and we will continue in just a minute with this message, Powerful Prayer. But since the weekend is almost here, we want to give a quick preview of what's coming up on our sister program, Mark. It's called Bold Steps Weekend. Yeah, so this weekend, we're in a series entitled Hearing God. And uh, this weekend's message is discerning the voice of God out of John chapter 10. And our listeners are going to hear that there are three Three primary questions that you should be asking yourself when you're discerning whether it's the voice of God. So tune in this weekend mm -hmm. and learn what those three questions are. Listen to Bold Steps Weekend on your local station, many stations, or listen online by going to boldstepsweekend.org. And no matter what your schedule looks like, weekend or weekday, you can always find a shorter segment of Mark's insightful teaching by listening to what we call the Bold Steps Minute. 
You can listen to this convenient and insightful 60-second feature by going online to boldstepsminute.org or by subscribing to the Bold Steps Minute wherever you get your podcast so it downloads automatically for easy, anytime listening. Thank you, Mark. Let's get back to your message now. The conclusion titled Powerful Prayer on Bold Steps. When you pray, there's power. Why? Because you're walking with a clean heart before the Lord. You're confessing things. You're praying for things. You're dealing with things. You're being honest before God. And now when you pray, you're a righteous person. A heart is clean. And now your prayers, your heartfelt prayers, not your made-up ritualistic prayers, but your passionate heartfelt prayers, they have a powerful effect on the kingdom of heaven. Now when you pray, God says, hold on, quiet, quiet. They're praying. I'm listening. They're praying. And it moves things. It changes things. There's power that comes when people are walking right before God. There's power that is unleashed in the spiritual realm. Listen, I have a lot of people pray for me. And some people's prayers accomplish a lot. And some people's prayers, not every prayer is created equally. I got a couple of people that pray for me every day, and I covet their prayers. My mother's one of them. Jesus-loving woman. That I know when she prays, God listens. I got another friend, Chuck McWhorter, 84 years old. He's on the north side. Been serving God for over 40 years. He prays for me and my family every day. I know this man walks with God. He's given away so much money, it's crazy. Serving and loving Jesus. I'd rather have two righteous people pray for me than 5,000 unrighteous people pray for me. And then he says, look at Elijah, by the way. Elijah was a human being like you and I. He wasn't a Marvel character with a big P on his on his chest. He was a human like you and I. But when he prayed, it says, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years because he prayed. Famine hit the land. The king was after him. Where is this man that's brought this nation to our knees? And then finally, when there was a confrontation on Mount Carmel, and God was glorified, and the people said, there is a God, then Elijah decided, now I'm going to pray that it rains. And after three and a half years, Elijah prayed, and it rained for the first time. He saw the little cloud coming, and it started to rain. And what James is telling us is Elijah was just like you and I. He was a man that believed God and the same kind of power that Elijah has, listen, you and I have when we pray fervently for things to change. So never underestimate the power of prayer. Number four and lastly. So you need to learn the approach, the power, the position. And then number four, he talks about the breakthrough. Prayer breakthrough. Learn to cooperate with God breaking the prodigal cycle through prayer. Then in verse 19, he says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. 
He's talked about when we're in trouble. He's talked about when we're happy. He's talked about when we're sick. Now he talks about the prodigal. There may be someone in your life right now that has walked away from God. Maybe it's a son or daughter that you raised in Sunday school and they want nothing to do with God. Maybe it's a husband, a cousin, a friend. And you say, I can believe God for others, but to believe that they would come back, I just don't see how God could bring them back. James ends on that note. In the context of prayer, it seems like he's changed the subject, but he hasn't. He's simply telling those of you that have people in your life that have wandered astray, hey, don't give up on them. Because your prayer could be the turnaround power that brings them back. You're reaching out to them and praying for them could be exactly what breaks their heart down and brings them through these doors again to worship Jesus. Maybe you are here today, and by the way, it says, and if you bring them back, you will save them from death. This could be a physical death if they're a believer. God sometimes brings judgment, sickness, and even death. Definitely spiritual separation, which is called death, and you will cover a multitude of sins because when someone comes to God and repents, then their sins are covered and washed away. There are some of you here, and maybe you're here today and you're a prodigal. Maybe someone prayed you to this church today. Maybe in your heart you've been running from God. You're physically present, but you know that your spirit is really far from God today. There is no coincidence that God brought you here this day, this time for this message to awaken your spirit and to say, prodigal, it's time to come back to God. It's time to come home, prodigal. Someone's praying for you. Someone's believing for you. I'll close with this story. Two years ago, I was invited to speak in Spain to about 250 20-something-year-olds. And so I went there and uh, to this conference just to speak to these, these millennials about Jesus, most of them who were believers, but not all of them. And I was speaking in Spanish, so sometimes this I need to oil my tongue a little bit in Spanish because, you know, it's... And as, after the first session, a young man by the name of Samuel came up to me. And he said to me, what you spoke about has really stirred me. Can I talk to you in private? And so I took him to... We, we went, him and his girlfriend, we went to a separate room to talk. And he said... I walked away from God when I was 14 years old. I'm 29 years old now. I blamed the church. I blamed my parents. I laughed. I mocked. I raised my hand. I called the people in the church hypocrites. I brought sorrow and pain to my parents. Never did they leave. They continued to follow and serve God. But for all of these years I've been away, this is the first event that I've come back to. There's been a string of events in my life that have jarred me. And now, he started weeping. I realized what a fool I've been running from God for so many years. I need to come back to God. 
His girlfriend was crying. He was crying. We prayed over him. It was just sobbing, weeping as he prayed. The next session came about, and I said, I'd love for you to just tell your story a little bit. He said, no way. I'm super, super shy. I would never do it. No, no. I, I will not, not speak into a mic. So, of course, when the session came, I asked him to come and speak into the mic. <laughs> he was sitting in the middle, and I said, Samuel, could you come and tell your story? He said, no. I said, Samuel, I think it'd be great. He said, no. His, his girlfriend nudged him, and so he came up. He told his story. On stage, he began to weep and break, and he said, I've been a prodigal for all these years. 14 years old, I left God. I've been running from God, doing it my own way, and I've realized finally what a mess I've made of things. I need to come back to God. As he spoke, four other young men, one who was a, who was a, a policeman about his age, came forward, bowed their heads, and said, we also want to come back to God. Six months ago, he was baptized. And just, just two months ago, I was able to perform his wedding in Spain to the honor and glory of King Jesus. Now, I may have preached the message that caused him to come to the front, but made no mistake. The people that did the heavy lifting were his parents who never gave up on him. They're the ones that prayed him in. They're the ones that believed him in. There's the ones that asked that God would touch his heart. And I believe that some of you God is calling even today. I'm not sure what God is putting on your heart to pray for, but it may be for someone that is sick. It may be for, for that praise that you need to engage in during a difficult time, but it may be for a prodigal that has lost their way. And um, I'm talking to a mother here or a father that you've agonized in prayer uh, for years for a son or daughter that you just do not see any signs of them starting to turn. I want to say, do not underestimate the power of your prayer. God may be working behind the scenes, putting together pieces that you're not even aware of. So I want to tell you, parent, continue to pray. I believe that your prayers are effective, as it tells us here in James. So do not give up praying for that prodigal. In fact, I want to join with you right now in praying for them. Father, I pray for that person right now that has been prayed over, tears have been shed over their prodigal journey. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would awaken them. I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring friends into their life, that you would bring, yes, crisis, but with mercy into their life to jolt them into awakening to you, God. And I pray, Father, with those that are praying for prodigals, that they would see the day when that prodigal will return back to the Father with tears of weeping, embrace the Father and say, I'm back. God, I pray with them right now. Give them encouragement, perseverance to not give up in believing for those that need to return to your household. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. So encouraging, Mark. Thank you. And today's message ends our series in James, Faith That Works. Of course, you can always go back in the archive or with our podcast and listen to more of these messages you may have missed along the way. It's an excellent series, Faith That Works. This is Bold Steps with Mark Jobin. Mark, we're beginning the new month now. We have a brand new gift we're offering to our listeners. Why don't you talk a little bit about this book? This, I think, will be a great book if you're married. It's called The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. Now, you need to get the book to find out what those habits are, but they're simple. It's a small book, so it's not this thick book. It's an easy read, but if you want to invest in your marriage, this would be a great book. So you can request your copy of The Four Habits of a Joy-Filled Marriage today when you give a financial gift of any amount, and you do that by going online to boldstepsradio.org or make your donation over the phone by calling 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also send your gift and request the book through the mail. Address your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Once again, that's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And before we break for the weekend, we want to remind you, if you haven't already, to sign up for Mark's weekly email devotional, The Bold Stepper Weekly, and be on the list to get your copy Monday morning. Start your week off encouraged and inspired with truths from God's Word to relate to your life by signing up for The Bold Stepper Weekly at boldstepsradio.org. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Next week, Mark begins a very special message about spiritual renewal and how to bring dry bones back to life. Find out more Monday here on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.